When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Oh, I say! It's amazing! He does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! The precise thought process behind a switch of international footballing allegiance, even weirder theories about the late 1990s Premier League obsession with Vicks Vapor Rub, the very modern power struggle between trained stewards and elite players when someone invades the pitch for a selfie, players with a museum to themselves in their own house, and the futility of remonstrating with a fourth official who for some reason is always Craig Pawson. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 245 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for this Mesut Harland Dicks by my side is Nick Miller. How's it going? Hello Adam. Yeah, very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Just to refresh people's memory of the Nick Miller athletic experience, here are the last couple of headlines of the pieces that you've written. <laughs> A history of Premier League hat-tricks, the good, the bad and the lucky. And Armenia versus Turkey is not just about football, it's about a bloody history, about genocide. Brilliant stuff. The ultimate cross-section of the Nick Miller experience, I think. Yes, some some people think my work lacks kind of direction and focus, but I won't hear of it personally. <laughs> Excellent. Don't forget the, the piece I wrote a few months ago about sitting in a service station for the whole day. That that was um, That's also kind of very much fits with the oeuvre. Yeah, that's right smack bang in the middle of the spectrum there, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's pure, yeah. pure athletic. Um, no genocide on today's episode of Mesut Holland Dicks, but we do have... A YouTuber, how are you doing? It's it's Max Fosh, comedian, YouTubesman, and perhaps more crucially, Max, three-time DMer asking to do Mesut Harland Dicks. Welcome. Yeah, this is very embarrassing, Adam. And do you know what? I completely accept that um, because I have been ruthlessly just pestering you to get on this podcast. It is my favourite. It is the top of the charts every single time Spotify rap comes around. And I thought if I can get anything out of this so-called social media clout, it must be an appearance on Mezzan Harland Dicks. I will be milking your social media clout. It's it's a two-way thing. Don't you worry about that. You're uh, You're talking to us all the way from Las Vegas. This is, I, I feel, Nick, this feels a bit like when GMTV sort of threw over to someone in LA for the showbiz gossip. This is, this is the depths we've plumbed. Is it, is it depths? Or, I mean, are our kind of personal situations more depths than, uh, than, than this one? I yeah. would say so. I would say by, so. By comparison. Yeah. yeah. Las Vegas beats zone four London, no question. But Max, yeah, you're in Las Vegas for your literal sins. My literal sins, the sin city. I mean, this is this is kind of where <laughs> commentators just l- would love to come um, mm. to just find out a little bit more about sins. But yes, I'm I'm here in Las Vegas for my sins. I am filming a couple of videos out here, which are going to be coming out quite soon. And uh, yeah, no, just uh, hopefully the Wi-Fi stays uh, strong enough for us to continue this. The the Wi-Fi is clinging on for dear life. If you think Las Vegas Wi-Fi would be better, frankly. I'm disgusted. He's he's even much um, better. Much better. Let's do this anyway. Let's have a quick adjudication panel because um, some very pressing international break information has come to come to my attention. Nick, it's 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 the most basic information in football, really. It's the most it's among the most fundamental pieces of information that football regularly needs to communicate, but has somehow become a complete mess. I'm talking to you about league tables and actually specifically (laughs) group tables, the graphics of group tables by various media outlets and social media accounts. It's a complete mess. 
listener Adam Nathan got in touch, and this is this is a this is a mid-range offence, really. But um, the official graphics for the European Championship qualifiers puts the points first, and then uses an M instead of P for played. So it's matches. The whole thing's a shambles. How can you keep getting it wrong? What is wrong with these people? Mm. I mean, why would you, why would you put the points first? I know. I mean, is there a, actually now I've said that is there a particular reason for it, or we just we have we just become conditioned to it over the years? Yeah, is there a space? Is there a space else? issue? Yeah, like maybe. are they only are they only able to are they only able to put two things into the graphics? So they've just kind of I mean, like, I I agree with you, it's an absolute mess. But I'm trying to think of any reason why they would decide to put to all just the do information that. is there. All the information is there. They've just done it in the wrong order, and I'm disgusted. But I mean, I mean, this it gets worse, Max. I mean. The official England team account put out a graphic of of the group as it stood after the win over Ukraine, and it and it was it's just a mess of of fonts and, and it's it's not user friendly, and I I feel like someone with your international clout should be doing something about this, frankly. Yeah, my 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 issue when it comes to tables, this is this is mainly directed at BBC Sport, is that BBC Sport decides on their tables who is important enough to be a bold. Mm. So the, there's <laughs> kind of a link that you can click through to a page about that country. Right. And so suddenly, obviously, all the home nations are in bold. You've got your Argentinians, Germany's, but Slovenia and Armenia doesn't quite seem to uh, to take the biscuit because obviously somebody at BBC Sport can't be bothered to write up a little <laughs> piece on Slovenia or Armenia. Just not SEO friendly. That's just how it is. BBC Sport have also been guilty. I don't know if it is is true now. Uh, in the past, of doing the, they will have the table and they will have the, the the total points, but they will have home and then away, but not the combined thing, which again is an absolute travesty. Yeah, yeah. I mourn kind of the the standard home and away league table. You have to really dig for those these days. Not that I'm massively interested, but it's it would be nice to have it <laughs> at my fingertips. Right. Max Foss, you are here finally after essentially begging on Twitter. Uh, yeah, this is begging. No, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm not, I'm not kind of, uh, <laughs> not going to say that I didn't beg because that's exactly what this is. And I've had this in my notes for ages, so I'm very excited to get involved, get started. Yeah, you're not alone in that. And, and I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm smitten by the idea that people do have these lists sort of squirreled away, you know, for one day. They might, might you know find themselves on the hallowed turf of Mesut Highland Dix. But let's do this. Let's let's delve into your fascinations, first of all. Tell us about your first fascination of football. My first fascination of football is probably the conversation that will invariably happen. This must happen when a player is being overlooked by their national team. They're probably... 23, 24, 25, they're realising they might have played a few games for England B and they kind of realise, okay, I'm not going to be playing for my national team here. So they must just get out the family tree and start to seeing which footballing association they can call to to try and get some international football. Mm. Um, like, just kind of, I love this idea that they, they're, they're, they're kind of, oh, I don't, don't think mum's got any kind of uh, ancestors <laughs> from, from Hungary, but I'll give her a call. Um, like, and, then, and then it just, that, that invariably leads to players playing for countries that you just, you, you are absolutely flabbergasted as to how they've got a cap. I mean, my favourite one in that is Danny Higginbottom pulling on the shirt of Gibraltar yes. for a couple of caps mm. in the mid-2010s. Like, did, did he go on holiday once to Gibraltar? How is Danny Higginbottom able to justify that he should play for Gibraltar? That is a very interesting example, actually, Nick, because um, it, in all the kind of landscape of players playing for unlikely countries, it felt like... Higginbotham was just doing them a favour. I've got more of an overwhelming vibe of that than I've ever had from players turning out for random countries. Yeah, it, it was. It had a very, very much kind of retired pro turns out for mates team, uh, you know, in Sunday league or whatever vibe to it. Mm. Yeah, that's I, I, real. That's real. Can you can you just nip down to the Rock of Gibraltar and just just pull a shirt on for us, mate? We're short this week. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a, a European ringer kind of thing. Yeah, but Max, the the scenario that you paint here is is. An interesting one because you're suggesting that it's the players who are doing the the bidding here, sort of dialing up potential, you know, grandfather qualified federations and saying, "Can I can I play for you?" And I I don't think it happens that way around, but I really want it to be. Well, yeah, in my mind, it kind of it's it's like a UCAS clearing situation. <laughs> you've kind of got your you've got your top five universities. Oxford have said no, so you're kind of calling up Birmingham on a, on an insurance, 
uh, but just sw- swap Birmingham for a kind of an Eastern European football team or country. I think possibly telling of our respective backgrounds that uh, you've gone for Birmingham as the absolute the lowest of the low kind of uh, <laughs> the real the real scum that you you may have to lower yourself to. Yeah, lean into the elite. No, I did. I, it's fine. No, absolutely. No, I I did Birmingham. I placed my heart for Birmingham because they were actually one of the ones that did say yes. I was only accepted for Newcastle and Birmingham. So Birmingham is is my Gibraltar. Nice. How provincial. Pure Barclays Universities. That's what I love to see. All right, um, uh, Max, do you um, do you qualify for any other nations? N- uh, no, I did. I mean, when I was when I was younger, I was I, I played cricket to a semi serious level, and I'm I'm half Dutch, so I did look up whether the Dutch cricket team were any good, and they were just on this precipice of just being a bit too professional for me to even oh. contemplate kind of working my socks off and having a chance so i think the dutch uh national cricket team was was the closest that i i i, I got to oh i would have loved to have introduced you as dutch cricket ace max Foss. that would have been, that would have been <laughs> even more even more of a sell for people who didn't know who you were that would be brilliant but the tipping point here nick is is fascinating to me about players sort of realizing that they're not going to play for their designated number one nation for all sorts of reasons. And and I, I find it interesting to try and detect the motivation in a player who eventually switches allegiance. Because it's a bit it's a bit like, and I don't think this is weird to say, I think it's a bit like dropping down the divisions in club football. It's it's basically saying, okay, I'm not gonna get, as as Max points out, my number one choice. I'm gonna drop down. But whilst I'm not big on national pride, Nick, I can, I kind of completely see how a player might just be like, I really want to try international football and I want to find the easiest route into it rather than be be selected. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think that the, the most kind of recent recent example of this is Matty Cash, who is, is quite a young guy. He was you know, he was born in England. And I think he's, 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 he's through his mother. Yeah, I think his, so. his mother's Polish or there's, a, there's Polish descent on that side. But... There must have been a tipping point, a point there where he obviously, obviously England have a lot of right backs. So he he must have just thought, well, England have got a lot of right backs, so I'm not going to play. So I might as well, you know, might as well switch my allegiance to Poland instead. Maybe it comes down to pathways, Max. Maybe players do, you would assume, sort of look at the bigger picture and say, well, OK, yeah, we do have you know, a real surfeit of, of right-backs these days. And maybe they do look at the bigger picture like that. And that's probably quite a clever thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, I, I quite also quite like that, that. They're kind of counting on their fingers, kind of almost like like someone at a party. So we've got, okay, we've got Trent, we've got Reese. Uh, who, who else? We And I just kind of go in there, kind of like number fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yeah, that's probably not going to be me, is it? Okay, right, let's just call up the Polish FA then. Um, but also it seems like these players then just really, they, they, they seem very grateful for the opportunity and then we, we see Bereton Diaz just adding Diaz to the end of his name <laughs> as, as a way as kind of it's almost like a, a thank you very much uh, I really appreciate it and um, you kind of get Matty Cash eating some some Polish sausage on, on in a magazine just so he can say that oh yeah no lads I'm one of you I am Polish that was a very very pertinent point because Jack Pierce writes in and says um, uh, these sort of switches of allegiance the more dramatic switches of allegiance Nick, always include like a photo of a said player sampling the local cuisine. Think Matty Cash in front of a plate of pierogies or Eric Young biting into a Welsh cake. <laughs> I, th- yeah, I think that's it, a stretch. It, it, it is. And you, you, I mean, you've got you, you to be very careful. I know this wasn't an international thing, but you could get very close to uh, Benito Carboni pretending to eat a, an uncooked pizza when after signing for Sheffield Wednesday territory there. And that was already quite gauche at club level. To do it at international yeah. level, I think would actually be quite offensive to the people you're trying yeah. to ingratiate yourself with. So it's it's a tricky art, Max. But I think you know there are bread and butter responsibilities when it comes to switching allegiance. Like you got to learn the anthem because that's what players are always ask. Or have you learned the anthem yet? And maybe some players are like, I don't give a shit. Got to learn the anthem. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, they've got they've got to learn the anthem. Absolutely, um, they've got to be able to do a very uh, a, a short interview, um, which includes a few of the na- a few words of the native language. Yeah. Doesn't have to be much, but th- so they can give a, a wry smile and kind of say, "Yeah, look, I've I've tried. I'm trying. Don't worry." Um, <laughs> but for some of the countries as well, if it's a player that's that's potentially a lot better than kind of the standard that the country plays at. 
Did they? I, I feel like I'm getting this wrong, but do they sometimes? They almost kind of have like a club unveiling, like a camp new yeah. welcome to the national team kind of thing, which which really doesn't sit very. It doesn't sit well with me. And it always makes me. It always makes me think, Nick, that what do the other players think? The players who have sort of really sort of toiled away with that one option for that country work their way up into the national team from whatever league they're playing in, and this bloke just rocks up. Now, generally, they tend to welcome them, but I suspect there's a bit of what the fuck are you doing here, mate? Yeah, the, 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 you'll. I, I think I feel like this is where the um, the initiation song really comes into its own, mm. and the the, mm. um, the the posting of it by um, you know by welcoming teammates. If if they if you see the welcome song or, or the initiation song being posted by multiple teammates on Instagram or whatever, you think okay, well they they, they must have accepted him. Yeah, and I think that's probably fine. That but is the benchmark. If you don't. Yeah, if you if you don't hear it, then you uh, you start to you fear for them. You really do. Once again, visions of Max Fosch's Dutch cricket initiation ceremony in a, in a parallel universe. It could have happened. I'm not letting it go. It could have happened. <laughs> I mean, it might it might still happen, Adam. But right. actually, to go back quickly to what you said up there, and um, like other players welcoming them, does that mean there's kind of like this ongoing butterfly effect where the fourth choice right back for that country is now kind of opening up the, uh, <laughs> the family tree to see whether where they can go? We should it just see. is never ending until... We should track this. We should definitely track this. Like players who've been, been displaced by someone who switched countries and see how far they go. Yeah, exactly. The... Uh... The domino effect. And where do they all end up? Where's the kind of where's the where's the the, the the last base country that everyone seems to turn to? Poor bloke turning out for San Marino. I had no choice. They pushed me <laughs> down here. There it is. <laughs> right, Max, strong start. Tell us about your second fascination of football, please. My second fascination and love of football is the power that players have over stewards when a fan runs onto a pitch and because there's this moment where the the fan breaks through the line of the stewards Mm. they get to let's say Messi, and this fan is being chased by three or four stewards and then the stewards get to the fan who is kind of like uh, with Messi trying to get a picture and they kind of look to the player as to right what what do we do now what's what's our job now are we meant to take this person away <laughs> and then there's this kind of moment where the player has to almost become this omnipotent being where he kind of puts its arm around the uh, around the fan and say no, no no come with me don't worry it's okay we can get the picture so there's almost this threshold in which the fan needs to get through like on the pitch before there's like a proximity to the player in which it's okay for them to be on the pitch but I just love this moment where the stewards kind of are looking at a professional footballer who also doesn't really know what to do yep. but is quite conscious that there's like like the world's media watching them. So they kind of have to be like, yeah, okay, yeah, of course, here, here, nice to meet you. How are you doing? Let's get a pick. Max is absolutely right here, Nick. There are, there are two main concepts that, that collide in this very modern situation, actually, because, you know, it, it's player power, first of all, manifesting itself in, in a way that we never reconceived of before, which is, you know, that they're, they're suddenly in charge. And secondly, there's a classy touch aspect to this, you know, as Max says, oh, yeah. this is a very public thing and it tends to be very elite players who don't want their reputations tarnished. But but beyond all that, people used to be bundled off the pitch unceremoniously in these situations. Now, now it's a very grey area and I'm very concerned. What level of player... Game's gone. It has to a certain extent. <laughs> but but Nick, what level of player do you think you're going to go down to where, it, where the situation is taken out of their hands? A steward would look at him and go, nah, you don't deserve this. Come on, let's get off. <laughs> is it Matty Cash yeah, again? Well, I mean... It's, it might be Matty Cash, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, but it has almost. Uh, it's become one of those things where, like, the first few times you saw your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, or whatever, do that, it was it very much classy touch. It's now got to the point where a player would be a dick if they didn't do that. It's like <laughs> it, it, the, the, it's now it's now become the, the sort of expected thing, like like giving you giving your shirt to someone in the crowd who's ha- ha- held held up a little sign that says, "Please, can I have your shirt." You, you kind of it feels like you get judged if you uh, if you if you don't do it. What what was once a classy touch is now the norm. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, I mean, there's a stra- there's obviously a clear strategy, Max, to to fans you know, picking the right moment to jump on the pitch and and ask a player for a selfie. And it's it, it's usually mid game as well. It's not always kind of after the final whistle. Yeah. It, I guess it depends on the magnitude of the game. But you know, woe betide. A young fan who runs onto the pitch and asks Messi or Ronaldo for a picture when they're losing. Like, I mean, 
I, I don't think he would get the same yeah, welcome. Yeah, but also they they also. I think obviously they're they're so so conscious of the kind of the the classy touch element where there's an age limit as well in which the player almost like if they're young enough the player has to do it no matter yeah, what. Clearly. But then then there's a question of like if if they are like eight, that means that whoever the guardian they're with has kind of egged them on to do it, and this is kind of like yeah go on okay now's your time okay run, which is a really bizarre concept, mm. kind of sending your child out to the wolves to, to essentially, you know, it could go quite wrong. They could be kind of, I don't know, not locked up, but getting quite a lot of trouble. <laughs> and a lifetime um, ban, a, a, a lifetime stadium ban is going to mean more to an eight-year-old than it is to like a 52-year-old. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I always do, I always do wonder when it's kind of somebody, a, a child who looks quite young, who, who's running out. But I think you do need to, you do, you need to very much kind of pick your moment and and judge the mood of the game. Like you 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 are running onto the pitch, but yeah, you, you say you need to make sure your players either winning or drawing yeah. because losing they'll kind of they'll kind of I mean, what do they do? What does a player do when they don't really want? Well, because they'll see them coming from a mile off. Well. 200 yards off what do they what what will the player do to kind of say no not now is it a handout is it kind of uh yeah what do they do I think it I, I actually think there's some transferable skills here Nick it, it's probably the same motion that a player does to get an opponent off the pitch when they're taking ages to be substituted it's just it's a very sort of gentle can you just fuck off <laughs> well th this is the other thing because the the, the the when a fan enters the pitch there are whole new rules are applied to the players not just in the kind of welcoming them and you know shoving the stewards aside going no no let them have a picture but it, it, this is obviously more if it's an adult but the, there is it, when a fan comes onto the pitch a complete license is given to players who just want to sort of knock them about a bit <laughs> like like uh, the, the Years ago, Ian remember Ian Walker uh, when a, a fan invaded the pitch. I think it was at Leicester. Mm. Just was just shoved the guy to the ground and was, was sort of on the verge of sticking the boot in as well. And then Sam Sam Kerr when she tripped up that pitch invader yes, course, uh, yeah. a, a couple of years ago and was kind of roundly applauded for <laughs> uh, for for giving the you know, allowed giving one, the guy like, what for. You're definitely yeah. allowed one. I, I think I would go for a kind of aggressive trip, like a proper sort of hack. But not a full yeah. hack, just just in case any injuries yeah, but Adam, are actually. You, you've got to, you, Adam. You've got to kind of judge there and then whether that person, like everyone in the stadium, wants to see that person fall over or get hurt. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't, you're not allowed one if they're twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, but it's sensational. The, yeah. yeah, the the first player to misjudge it and and. Uh, just preemptively leather someone in the face because they think they're running on to cause them harm when actually they just wanted a selfie. Yeah, it's it's quite Michael Owen behaviour when when he was kind of <laughs> slotted them past that goalkeeper who was yeah. who was about eight, <laughs> thirteen, I, I believe uh, history has 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 judged. <laughs> Nick, let's let's dwell on the on the most pertinent example of this, which is Lionel Messi, because it feels like barely an international break goes by without a picture of a kind of puzzled, annoyed-looking Messi in the midst of a selfie saga with a with a kind of opposition fan who's, who's taking this one once in a lifetime moment to get a picture with him but I kind of have to sit on the other side of the fence as well I, I do get it I mean imagine how prized that photo would be in the grand scheme of photos you could ever get the number of different places you would post that photo simultaneously oh 100% yeah yeah I mean e even even as they uh, more and more of these things happen and you would think the currency of them diminishes because there, there are so many of them there's there's no you know it's one thing to uh collar a footballer at a, a restaurant or something like that and get a picture with them but if it's actually you know on the pitch mid-game there's that's you know that's priceless stuff why do they always have a flag <laughs> they they always they always have the flag of the like i don't know i just when you said messy adam it just made me think they've always got an argentinian flag mm. and then and like then i think it. that's just to, to yeah i guess so but then what i love is always the look on the face of the fan when they do get up close to messi this is mainly more a messi and ronaldo mm. thing where it's just one of total awe and wonderment um as if they they weren't expecting when they got closer for them to i don't know look like that <laughs> but it is like a genuine just awe of their presence well, messi's a bit small than I expected that sort of awe that sort of mid-range <laughs> well, I, I knew he was small but I didn't realise yeah fantastic okay we asked our listeners for the lengths that they've gone to Nick to get photos with footballers and this was the standout from uh, from North Bank TS he says pre-smartphones as a child 
I saw Dennis Pergkamp in the Friary Park Cafe in Finchley demolishing a full English. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I, ran, <laughs> I ran home to my nans to get the camera, but my bubble was burst arriving back and he'd already left. Well, he was he was putting it away by the sounds of it. I, I, I mean, let's let's talk about this first. The, the concept of Bergkamp Nick demolishing a full English really does eat away at his reputation in my eyes. Yeah, because he's kind of... He obviously signed before Wenger, but you associate him with the um, with the uh, you know this is when we discovered pasta and broccoli era of uh, football nutrition, <laughs> Demoli- demolishing a full English. I'm kind of, I've that wasn't his autobiography, that. was it? No, absolutely not. And that's stillness and speed, indeed. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he calls to mind that picture. You've seen that picture of Pete Doherty, who's uh, mm. after just yeah. eating one of those kind of challenge breakfast things. <laughs> uh, and he looks. He just looks a complete mess. I can't. Yeah, I can't picture Burkhardt. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doubting the the uh, you know veracity of this story, but it's it's really difficult to picture. Well, let's also pick up Max on the um, the point of pre-smartphones. I mean, if if we go back thirty years, let's say about the uh, the obstacles that would have faced a fan in those situations, like dragging a Polaroid onto the onto the pitch and then having to wait for it to develop. You're going to get dragged off in that time, mate. You can't even show... You won't be able to show Bergkamp the photo there, mate. Basically just like fanning the Polaroid just quicker and quicker as the stewards get closer and closer just to see he's got the shot. Oh, yeah, I do. Actually, no, sorry. Can we just can we just do another one? Um, but yeah, the, the Burkamp demolishing a, a full English breakfast... I mean, that opens up a whole realm of possibility of conversation about which player is the most likely to do a food challenge mm. because it, it makes it it makes it sound quite like that. But yeah, Nick, you're right. It, is Burkham kind of the last bastion or that kind of last generation of player before the, the pasta and broccoli before a game? I think of the, I don't know whether I'm just, just sort of sticking to the, the Arsenal thing, but Ray Parler seems like the the the, the most yeah. likely to take on some kind of Food challenge, I think. He's invincible. He's impenetrable. Yeah. Like, no matter how much he drinks or what he eats, he still looks it he still looks like he retired about three years ago. Precisely three <laughs> years ago. Fair play to yeah. him. Fair play to him. He'd do well in Vegas. Anyway, right, Max, <laughs> your third fascination of football, please. My third fascination of football, and this this is a fascinating genuine fascination, um, rather than a love of football when I was growing up. Um, and that is Vic's Vapor Rub. <laughs> Um, Good tiring. Well done. Uh, w- when, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, that is what my entire career has led up to that moment. <laughs> because when <laughs> it was kind of when I was growing up, the Invincible season, like uh, 2000, uh, early 2000s, I was probably eight, seven or eight. And I remember seeing a couple of them, Vieira and Laurent as well, I think a couple of times, which just had this little patch on their chest mm. and and for ages I, I genuinely had no idea what it was and like you're you're seven and eight you don't really know how to find out this information so there was all sorts of there was all sorts of kind of rumors that would go around I mean I spoke to my brother-in-law about this and he said he used to think it was yogurt as a child <laughs> and I have no I have no idea why a play would would rub a muller corner onto their shirt but it was it was seeing Vieira with that Vicks vapor rub it was like that that makes them an elite player like oh if only I had some Vicks vapor rub, mm. then I would also be able to to boss the park uh, at Highbury. And it's kind of a it's a wider fascination of of especially this is again the the mid to early two thousands. You don't see it much anymore, although mm. you do with the holes in the socks, the back of the socks. That's yes. another conversation. But these little quirks that players used to do. To, to perceivingly give them an advantage. Like my favorite one was was Rushdu, the Turkish goalkeeper. He used to put black strips under his eyes Incredible, in a very yeah. kind of NFL kind of yeah. way. I think what to, to to reduce glare off his own skin. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never had glare off my own skin before. But <laughs> as a child, I thought, yes, that is why he's an incredible goalkeeper. It's the black strips. Of course it is. Yeah, I'm convinced my shiny head has actually held my football career back, <laughs> frankly. That's what it was. Actually, the, the yogurt thing is interesting, Nick. I mean, I have fond memories on this podcast of our previously aired and widely ridiculed theory that it was actually glue on the chest to make the ball stick to Vieira's <laughs> chest, which actually one of my, now I've remembered it, one of my I would have totally believed that. Yeah. I would have totally believed that if I've heard that when I was younger. What what kind of um, properties do you think yogurt has, Max, to lend itself to performance enhancing, <laughs> legal performance enhancing in football? I don't think uh, the, there's none that can spring to mind. The only way I can think of is that they've 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 had a yogurt before the game, and someone's just slipped down the front. They thought, oh, "I'll go on then. I'll, I'll just it. leave it." And there's a big, bigger yeah, patch. just rubbed it. Yeah, 
awful. But Vieira seems to have done that every single game. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Superstition. There you are. Nick, I'm tempted on my next Sunday League appearance to, to resurrect all the 1990s, 2000 marginal gains gimmicks simultaneously. I mean, it would What a sight that would be. Nasal strip. Vicks yep. on the chest. Yeah, absolutely. Socks above the knee, which I'm not sure counts as a performance-hancing thing, but so many players were doing it, so it feels like it must have had some sort of functional thing. Naturally, sweat-wicking technology in my shirt and shorts. Can't beat a mm. bit of sweat-wicking, which is so important in football. And um, I would top it off with the admittedly April Fool's Day gimmick, which was the Adidas Predator headband. What a sight that would be. <laughs> I'd be fully kitted out. What what about um, the um, Jim Layton used to sort of cake Vaseline <laughs> over his eyebrows? The theory being that well, it like would a boxer. stop. Yeah, a, a little bit. Uh, the th- I think the theory being that it would stop sweat from getting into his eyes. I believe it was yogurt, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Clear yogurt. I mean, also Adam, you, you could you could go for the, uh, the the one that was most easily accessible to to, to me as a schoolboy was was a white socks over the socks that you were playing football in yeah. that just went up to your ankles. Um, it was as if you ha- it looked a little bit like you had tape down there for your for your your Achilles injury that was just you know feeling a bit tender. I, w- I was a firm white sock wearer, definitely. It was just pure pure aesthetics, Nick. It made you feel like a mid two thousands Premier League footballer. Yeah, c- cycling shorts underneath uh, football shorts as well. That was a that was kind of big in the yeah, early mid nineties. But yeah, those are the marginal games. If you wanted to really go for it now, you could go for the the, the classic bra that they uh, a lot of the the football. Oh, the football GPS bra. Yeah, the GPS bra. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you could be able to just like uh, pass that off at Sunday League as to why you're wearing a GPS bra. But I think it does make you seem quite elite. Just have or just having that little bump in the in the top of your back, that kind of rectangular <laughs> yes. uh, raised bit in your shirt. You know, like, oh yeah, he's a player. Right, that rounds off. Your fascinations. I'm more pleased to have you now, Max. It doesn't feel like I'm doing you a favour now. I think I feel like you belong on the Football Cliches podcast. These are yes. good choices. I've, I, I've, I've got round the, the trial for, for, for kind of Charlton Athletic under under 13s and I've got through to the next round. Yeah. Well, you, you're up at 5am to do this, which is uh, even more appreciated anyway. Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, welcome back to Meza Holland Dicks with our guests, the currently Las Vegas-based YouTuber, Max Fosh. It's time for your irritations now. You seem like a, quite a cheerful sort. I don't, you don't seem like the sort to get irritated by anything, but give it your best no. shot. I do have a few things that I genuinely kind of get frustrated with. The top of that list 
are when players have museums of themselves in their house. Now, I'm not talking about like a couple of your accolades, although there is a separate conversation to be discussed about when they have the actual sized Premier League trophy in their living room mm. rather than just kind of like a miniature replica. <laughs> like that's a separate conversation. I'm talking about player. I mean, this is all stems because I recently saw Zinchenko hired an artist to, to paint a huge mural of himself uh, in an Arsenal <laughs> shirt in his home gym. Right. Right. And like this poor artist probably slaved away for hours at this. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine just somebody, imagine showing somebody round your house and you kind of get to the basement, you get to the home gym and it's like, yep, this is, this, this is me it, in, in my current strip. I mean, that, if he moves again, which players do move quite a lot, I'm not talking, I'm not discussing how likely it is for Zinchenko to leave Arsenal, but that poor, that poor artist is going to have to come back in and change it. And it, it's just getting worse. Like players are kind of turning their houses into wings of the VNA. Like, I heard, <laughs> uh, I remember hearing that Nanny, Nanny used to have a statue of himself in his own, in his own house. I just think, when will this madness end? Just stop. Like, uh, maybe this is quite a British sensibilities of trying to be quite humble and be like, yeah, oh yeah, I did, I did win a few things in my time. But it just, I think you can still, you can still celebrate your achievements in, in the wonderful game of football without having a full size mural of yourself painted. I mean, there are sort of less impressive ends of this scale, Max. There was, of course, the infamous situation where Brendan Rodgers had a painting of himself in his rented house as Liverpool yeah. manager. I mean, that, that feels quite sort of a charmingly low-key end of the spectrum. It doesn't feel too puffed up, does it? Yeah, I think I think that's that's just about okay. I mean... It's still weird, look, though, isn't I'm not going to say it's... I'm not going to say it's... An, it's weird. Yeah, no, it's definitely weird. It's still on the... You, you'd walk in and say to yourself in your mind, but, oh, that's, that's a bit weird. But it's not kind of like levels of like mural levels downstairs in the, in the home gym. So I think, I, think that, I think that's okay. I mean, that's not, that's not any really any different from kind of having a photo of yourself and your family. Yeah, not having a family that's in the city as well does... <laughs> it, it, it's, it, that's also quite, quite odd. But look, I'm not against kind of players like you sometimes they have like cabinets the trophy cabinet within their within their house but i think it's got to be within a confined a contained area and it cannot be especially like trophies like if, if someone's got a trophy of the, the, the actual size of the trophy and also where do they get these trophies mm. like they don't they must have to they must have to get it commissioned by somebody yeah for sure yeah Definitely. Or do they get given one? Do they, the, surely the FA is not giving out 11 FA Cups every year or 15 <laughs> to how many of the squad is. Oh, I don't think they do them for FA Cups. I think the FA, FA Cup is too, is too treasured, isn't it, Nick? I'm sure they don't do sort of willy-nilly replicas of the FA Cup, do they? It's, uh, it's old school medals all the way for, yeah. for the FA Cup, surely. Oh, yeah, it's old school medals. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, just, just to get a grip of this, Max, at, at what point does, you know, a humble kind of mid-range Premier League footballers kind of trophy room essentially become a home museum which is what your real gripe is I think if there's if there's shelving (laughs) (laughs) right if there's shelving or or also if they have if they've organized them into into the various different components of their career so you've kind of got your boot and shirt wall (laughs) you've then got your balls and then finally, you have your your accolades, your medals, and your and your trophies. Oh, so the 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 implication that you're being taken on a journey, like you would do in an actual museum, like chronologically. I was at the Natural yeah. History Museum, and, and you you sort of going through the mil- the millennia until you get to the present day. So it's a bit, yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it should be, it should be. But to be fair, I think I think they can push through. They can push through this to the other side and make it absolutely fantastic if amongst all of that, they had a guided audio walking tour. <laughs> if they had that, then I would completely remove all of my hatred for a home museum because I think that's just so extra and so above and beyond. I thought, do you know what? Yeah, fair enough. I think that in, you mentioned the shirts there. I, I find it quite endearing when like top-level footballers have like the framed shirts of other top level footballers because there is a sort of there's a kind of humbleness to to I don't know you know Mo, Mo Salah has got Messi's shirt on his wall yeah. he, he he's he, Mo Salah is one of the best players in the world but on some level he's also I I played on the same pitch as Lionel Messi you know and this is the, this is his shirt just I, me I, I me I played with Messi well I mean by extension, I mean, we, we asked our listeners kind of the vital elements of a player's home museum or, or whatever, you know, comes below that in the pantheon of, of 
self-promotion in your own home. But um, Alex Mitchie says, a top, top player with a match-worn shirt of a distinctly average player on display and <laughs> vice versa. So, I mean, as soon as the balance gets tipped even further, Nick, you're in real... Like, does the, I mean, I always wonder, when you see a certain level of player like Messi or even Salah, to be honest, swapping shirts with a kind of distinctly lower calibre operator, where's that shirt going to end up? I mean, there's a chance it'll just be given away for charity, but are they taking it home? Are they going to contemplate framing it? Classic football shirts, probably. Yeah, it's, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, but Nick, Nick, to your, your to your point, like, I don't, I don't begrudge a player having a shirt because I agree, it, it it must be incredibly. You know, you've grown up watching this person play, and I think it's it, very important. And I think it's it's nice to have, you know, a couple of them framed. But a match worn shirt of a player you've played against belongs in a shelf on a cupboard that you rarely go into, <laughs> and you open the cupboard when Soccer AM are doing a piece around your house, and you kind of wistfully, oh, let's just go have a look, and you kind of like laying them out on the bed with with a few small anecdotes for each for each shirt. I think that's where the real worn match shirts come into their own, kind of like, almost like you've forgotten that you once played against uh, Gianfranco Zola um, in the early noughties. Yes, yeah, but I, I, I see that there is a this kind of added humbleness to that. But could, could that not come across as come across as a bit sort of oh oh this old thing? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I just yeah. I just keep it I just keep it in a drawer. Yeah, it's not really a big part of my life. I don't think we've quite reached a consensus on how shirts should be presented. I mean, I mean, the accepted situation, Nick, is that they're just put in a frame. <laughs> On a wall, yeah. which, you know, it can be quite elegant to look at, but you're missing out either the front or the back. And that, that's a struggle to me. The, the the humble hanger appears to be too humble for these situations. So Adam has written in, he says, a match-worn shirt on a constantly rotating mannequin. <laughs> that's the way to do it. If you've got real money, Max, that's where it should be done. I mean, oh, yeah, if you want to do the budget version, you kind of like very carefully cut the shirt in half ver- vertically right. and then print, print, print both halves yeah. on, in, a, in a printed case. Yeah. Good shout, good shout. I really enjoyed this from Jason R., Nick, who says that there should always be an unopened Barclay champagne bottle, <laughs> which, is a, which is really the unheralded filler content for a player's kind of memorial room, isn't it? It's got to be signed. There's got to be a signature with a gold pen as well. Mm. Mm. I wonder what players do with those with the the um the sort of player of the month trophies or player of the, even man of the match trophies because yeah. they're they they are shit they they're are just shit like now. they 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 just look like a kind of like plastic ne- yellow neon painted aftershave. thing they look like sort of aftershave yeah. you kind of open it and the bottles inside but yeah they are you, they're not mantelpiece friendly are they they they're pretty they wouldn't really fit even I mean you think about the classic. Premier League footballers living room we're talking all silver quite ornate you know sometimes unnecessarily so then you get an ultra modern kind of fluorescent award set on the mantelpiece Nick it doesn't work no um, and it it also would also only sort of carry any currency you've got absolutely loads of them if you've just got two you've just got these kind of as you say crap aftershave bottles sitting somewhere you need yeah if, you, if you've got loads of them that that conveys a status mm. you think you well you've 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 won this loads of times you must be brilliant but yeah couple just not no not doing it right max that is a deep enough dive down the snidey rabbit hole of shaming footballers for wanting to remember their own careers your second irritation of football please um, my second irritation of football was when during a goal celebration when a player gestures to their teammates not to interrupt what they're doing mm. and just to let the player do their own thing um, there's always somebody that ruins that moment. So they kind of like wave at the kind of like player. No, no, let me, I've, I've had this planned for ages. And then, you know, a central midfielder jumps on their back and, and screams, come on. I think it's really frustrating because especially with defenders, because they would have thought about this moment for, for many years and they finally nodded one home from the back post <laughs> and they had a whole routine planned only for, to be, only for it to be cut short by an over-enthusiastic teammate. It really frustrates me. I tell you what really, really gets my goat about this, Nick, first of all, is, um, I mean, first of all, it's quite an unsociable thing to do is to, is to shoo people away while you're celebrating a goal in a team sport. But it's the act of signalling that I find quite distasteful. It's like, <laughs> like sort of gesturing people to go away. What is the universal 
I'm trying to. I mean, no good for a podcast, obviously. But it's it's a, you kind of it's a held out arm. It's not a motion. It is literally just one arm saying no, leave it, wait. And I find yeah, it, it's the, too much. It's disgusting behavior. So, so you're 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 kind of flipping that. You you think that's the, the that's the bad behavior. So I think. I think Max was saying it, the, the, the people that are, are trying to kind of interrupt. Well, this, that's yeah. a secondary thing. I'm going to get onto that in a moment because right, okay. I have a different bugbear with this. But but first oh, okay. of all, right, I, ju- I just find the act of shooing your teammates away, uh, I mean, whilst quite necessary for the purposes of relaying the information to them, still quite awkward. And then and then there is obviously the, if someone does insist on putting their arm around you, there is the kind of the physical taking off of the, the arm and you know throwing it, <laughs> throwing it off me. kind of thing. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think by that point you've 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 kind of got to accept defeat by that point. Yeah. Like they've got you. Don't 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 be doing that. I mean, there's the other the the other one. If you're if you're going fast enough, you're running fast enough. The kind of almost like slally and the dodging and diving. They're almost like sidestepping their own teammates. It's like rugby league. <laughs> but you know, the the kind of the the thicker the gauntlet becomes, Max. There is a point at which they do get caught by teammates who just will not be perturbed <laughs> from this. And yeah. um. And again, it's quite an awkward situation because it's usually quite a really sort of violent tug of the collar and they get dragged back yeah. as if they are, I don't know. It, again, a little bit like rugby league when it is real, gets really desperate. And uh, someone's going to get hurt one of these days. It hasn't happened yet, but there's going to be some serious whiplash situations. And then they have six teammates jumping on top of them as mm. well. Like that's, that's got to hurt. Yeah. I do worry, Nick, that there is a critical mass at which, you know, sports... Sports science has moved on and they look at every nook and cranny of physical performance. Sometime, at some point, they're going to crack down on players leaping on top of each other while one is on the floor at the bottom who scored the goal. Because once you're past four or five, as any experienced childhood bundler will know, you're in real trouble. (laughs) And how would they have to sort of designate someone on the bench to kind of be... Kind of be on the touchline and run on the pitch when and Dragging just stop, them off. stop grabbing grabbing people by their necks and throwing them off. No, no, no. Get the we've stewards the to maximum. do it. Get the stewards yeah. to do it. <laughs> Poor <laughs> bastards. Oh dear. Right. <laughs> uh, and then of course the, you have the kind of subsection of this, Max, which is when a player doesn't want to shoo everybody away, but only wants to celebrate with a certain certain teammates so he shoes some away but then accepts the congratulations of others which is awful like it's really horrible that's to got watch. to cut deep that's yes. got to really cut deep between some of the members of the it's team dreadful i think the only time i would allow it nick is if a player shoes all his teammates away and then goes and celebrates with the physio which is officially a nice touch yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. or that, there was a sort of goal where the um someone scored and he ran straight over to the manager and usually in those circumstances, you know, big bear hug or something like that, the manager looked completely disinterested. That must be even more kind of <laughs> well, the dispiriting. Like, I didn't do that's awful. Yeah. Really that's got to be that's got to be one of your worst. Mo- oh, what do you do? Just go to the assistant manager and try your luck there? <laughs> it, there was just there was just a sort of half-hearted hug and then he ran off again. So he's not not only as he kind of pissed off his teammates by being all teacher's pet and going, no, 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 I'm going to go and celebrate with the manager. The manager snubbed him. Yeah. That's bad. You're eventually there with a the guy with a set piece folder, the laminated set piece <laughs> folder. Going, oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> you enjoyed it. That one's well, for go you, back mate. To, yeah, they go back to the guy. <laughs> they go back to the guy with the board and point down at like the, the the instructions that you gave. Like, yeah, good instructions. Yeah, we we <laughs> we did well there. Right now we're on the touchline. That it seems a pertinent place for your third and final irritation of football, please, Max. This actually, yeah, when a manager shouts at the fourth official about a decision that the referee has just made as if they had something to do with it. Like now the fourth official plays uh, the the same role in in this every time when they're being shouted Mm. at, which is often it's kind of like a a flat palm, calm down kind of motion. Yeah. And like the most, the most, the the person I can see doing this is, is Craig Pawson to to Antonio Conte. It's always Craig Craig Pawson. (laughs) And so like, and everyone knows kind of the, the fourth official's job is just to do two things. It's the, it's the substitutions and yep. sometimes act as tech supports when the referee's comms are down. It's not <laughs> to be shouted at for something that they didn't do. And like, what's, what is kind of the manager's point here? It's like, uh, often like, do the fourth officials go, yeah, I, I don't agree with that decision. I, I, think that yeah. was a, I don't think that was a foul. Like, what are they expecting the fourth official to do? March out on the pitch and say to the, the ref, actually, do you know what? Uh, yeah, I think that was a foul. Nick, it's very much the tipping point in this situation of 
the fourth official role either being the easiest job of the weekend or the worst. Because I, I think sometimes I think, ah, oh, that's a cushy little gig. Two sort of, I don't know, maybe I'm at Brighton, they won't give me any bother or something like that. And then it's, um, and then it, the problem is, is that in this situation, the fourth official is essentially the second port of call. The Furies manager has shouted at the ref, who's clearly not listening to him because he's got a job to do. And then they could, the lightning rod becomes the fourth official. And as Max rightly points out, they can't really say they disagree with the decision. So they have to kind of do this kind of oof, kind of face, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Are they kind of like explaining the intricacies of the, the laws and saying, well, actually, I think the referee's given that because of well, they this do. You know, rule? Yeah. It's one of those conversations, Max, I really want to lip read because I... I would I would fully back a fourth official in this situation just just to not even calm the manager down, just to stop him and say, look, mate, this is the law. Uh, that's the first thing. You've got it wrong. And secondly, what do you want me to do? I, th- I feel like, you know, to pick up on your main point here, that they should be a bit more kind of officious about this and say, look, mate, what do you expect me to do at this point? I can't influence the decision. I'm not the ref. I feel like it's the easiest kind of fight back that we can, you know, the officials can begin against the lack of respect that we all bemoan. Yeah, I mean, because also they must be able to have a few stock responses because they're probably being berated with the same stuff every time yeah. by the manager. It's, yeah. it's going to be a every fucking time. Yeah. Uh, that's his that's his fourth offence. He should get a yellow for that. And so the, I, I quite like the idea that they're kind of like a stand up comedian in the sense they start <laughs> to get they, they, they have these things so many times. They just get stock responses that they know are going to going to get a, a reaction. Another little kind of subgenre situation in this scenario, Nick, is that. Fourth officials are often and 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 want to be quite low key figures. They they sort of take a kind of sort of background role behind the dugouts. They don't they're not really called upon often for these dramatic situations. And because of that, when things do get a bit hectic, I swear some managers forget that they're there right until the last minute. So they're remonstrating with the ref, as I've already said, and then and they run out of steam there. And then suddenly they realise the fourth official and they sort of dart back in the other direction, run over to them. They think, yeah, you could, have, you could have tried that first, mate, as futile as the whole thing is. But um, it's, it's amazing the, the change of direction like a Pep Guardiola can do when they realise there's, there's another person that they can go to. Like they're being shoved around a, like a call centre or something. There is also, there's also a, a kind of less frequent but arguably even more undignified option which is they if they try and berate the linesman as they go past <laughs> but they're moving so so they're just kind of they goes oh Lino, what did you give that and, and he's and he's gone he's but he's off down the touchline so they're just shouting at nothing they do sometimes do a shuffle they do sometimes commit to a shuffle if they're really yeah. really angry you will see them kind of almost kind of mimic that the, the linesman's kind of left to right strut down the down the sideline um whilst whilst shouting in the back of their head i don't think it's possible for a human being to ignore someone and yet quite clearly be taking everything in that they're saying than a linesman <laughs> being berated from behind by a manager. I think it's it's incredible act of discipline from a linesman not to turn around and just say, look, fuck off, mate. Just get out of it. <laughs> clearly, I've got an offside to give in about three seconds time. You just do one. But yeah, I'm glad you didn't do one, Max, despite your Las Vegas Wi-Fi. It's been a pleasure to yeah, have we, you. Yeah, we got through it in the yeah, end. Yeah, we did. We got through it in the end. Thank you so much. This was thank good. you so much for having me. Genuinely, this is this is this is a, a, a favoured podcast of mine. So thank you very much for all the work you do looking into the minutiae of football. It, it brings me no end of joy. A favoured podcast of mine. That is going to go in the promotional materials one day. Thanks to you, Max Foss, all the way from Las Vegas. Good luck with whatever nonsense you're working on there. I suspect you are going to embarrass someone or cause someone some serious um, inconvenience, aren't you? Well, no, that's not for me to say. Okay. Uh, you know, I just focus on, the, focus on the day at hand and try and get the job done. <laughs> Nicely put. Thanks to you, Nick Miller. Thank you. Thanks for everyone for listening. And we'll be back on Tuesday. The Athletic. <laughs>